0: Do we have the greatest worship pastor on the planet or what? Come on. That was special, man. What I love about uh, Zach and our team is that they could take that song they just did and know that that is the 139th Psalm. It's a, uh, it's a fascinating song that David has written inside of the Psalms, but there's something unique about it. Many of the Psalms that you read are written for them to be a chorus, and this is one of those, but this one has a passionate and unique perspective on individuals. This is what makes this, this particular passage so special, is that this is about you, and it's about you and how you see God and recognizing how God sees you. Now, this is special because if you think about the time that we live in today, we, 2020 has been one of those seasons where I can't even fathom just how weird it's all been. <coughs> oh, excuse me just a second. I'm all- Okay, now let's start. So, 2020 has been one of those years where it feels like everything we do just goes weird. I mean, it just get out of sort, completely off the rails. And I feel sometimes like we have three different kinds of people that are in the room or watching online. You got a segment that is like, I couldn't be doing it better, Chuck. I mean, seriously, through all the pandemic and everything, I got plenty of money, I'm comfortable. Um, nobody in my family's really sick. And for the most part, man, I'm, I'm cruising. Then you got folks in the middle who are like, you know, Chuck, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. I'm not really sure what all I got to deal with, but things are not like I envisioned them. <coughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, okay. And then you got a group over here that's like, Chuck, my world's falling apart. My marriage is a disaster. My kids are off the rails. I don't know what I'm going to do for income. And then all three groups have got, and Christmas is coming. And what are we going to do? And the 139th Psalm gives us a tale of how we can learn to settle and satisfy our soul in preparation the holidays. I read earlier this week, did a little research to figure out how many people are excited about the holidays and how many people dread and can't stand the holidays. I was so shocked at the number of people that just dread it, just, just I mean loathe the fact that the holidays have come. And ever since I was a kid, it's like Christmas is just like, it's Christmas. I mean, whether you're broke or not, it's Christmas, right? But a lot of this is the expectation of that we build upon ourselves as we head toward Thanksgiving, toward Christmas, toward the end of the year. And in the middle of all this, we've got an election issue that just seems like it's just never going to end. And then you've got another issue where we still got race stuff going on everywhere. And then in the midst of that, you've got some doctors who have said, cancel Thanksgiving. Other doctors who have said, just open the doors And some others who said, just keep it to five of you and wear a mask. We got everything in the world going on. And you just stop and you start, who do I listen to anymore? Somebody says, don't wear a mask. Somebody else says, you got to wear a mask. Somebody says, let's shut down. Somebody else says, let's open up. And I've about decided that our church is kind of a microcosm of America. About 50% of us are like, you know what, Chuck, hang the mask. I'm done with this. And about half of you are like, we're wearing a mask or I'm not showing up. And you know, no matter what you do, we live in such a polarized society, I wonder sometimes what would happen if we just stopped and said, I wonder what God would have us do in the midst of all this. Now, there's a novel thought. (coughs) Gosh, I didn't do this at night. What would God have us do? And maybe we ought to stop and figure that out. The question I think for us today is, are we satisfied? with seeking after our own solutions and our own answers. There's the question. Are we satisfied seeking our own solutions and our own answers to the problems that each of us face individually? Now the challenge is this question begs the question that there might be somebody that could handle that better than us. But that is all about how you see God. And the 139th Psalm teaches us this concept of what is it that we see about God and what do we know about God. Friends, if there's ever been a time for us to look at Psalm 30, 139, it's right now. Because I have heard for all my life in church, church is bigger, smaller, same size. Churches that are traditional, churches that are completely hip-hop, and churches like us that are somewhere in the middle. I've heard churches all over, and I've heard people all over say this one thing to me, and I've heard it all my life. Pastor, I just want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. And so should you ever say to me, Pastor, I just want to go deeper. The question I'm going to ask you is, what does that mean? What does it mean for you to go deeper? Does go deeper mean I want to be able to read the New Testament in Greek and parse those verbs? Okay, well, if that's your thing, but just knock yourself out. I would rather have an injection of chlorine than do that, right? But if deeper to you means I want to make solid daily and moment-by-moment decisions that are Christ-honoring and live a life that is Christianly to the degree that I know I'm walking in the power of God, let's go deeper there. Now let's go, let's do something if we're willing to, if we're willing to take a look at it, let's go there, right? So if that's the case, the 139th Psalm gives us a picture in the middle of COVID-19, political fights, racial tension, economic concerns, and all of the lack of faith, trust, peace, and simple kindness in the world, and let's read the first few verses. Oh Lord... You have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me, to understand that those words have just couldn't be more true. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Chuck, but what is it David's getting at here? David is trying to say to all of us that there is a God who has created you, sustains you, provides for you, and loves you, and there is nothing that you were, you will be, or you are that he doesn't already know and hasn't already been a part of. David is saying there is no place that we can go apart from God, and there is nothing about us that God does not know. You say, well, Chuck, why should this old ancient psalm matter to me today? Well, it is because of two words. The first word is omnipresence, all right? Omnipresence. Now, omnipresence is a word that we don't use. It's not like you go to work tomorrow and you say, you know what? I just feel the omnipresence of God. I mean, we don't throw those around, right? But the omnipresence of God has a significant impact on our life because omnipresence means God is everywhere simultaneously, all right? Now, this is, this is something that we're taught all the way from the beginning of creation through today that this is the supernatural ability of God, our creator and sustainer. Now, guys, listen, ladies, listen, no matter how good you may think you are at being one of those people that that can manage, you know, five or six things at a time, that you're just the greatest multitasker in the world, you know what science has proven? Your brain really doesn't multitask. Your brain can only do one thing at a time. I mean, this is, this is not me. This is science has proven your brain can only do one thing at a time. Now, as it does one thing, it may flip back and forth here and there. That would just make you scrambled, but it doesn't make you a multitasker, right? So if you've got your iPad on and you're listening to your spouse and you've got a movie watching and you say, yeah, I'm doing all this at one time, you're a liar. Some of you right now are, are nudging your spouse right now, right? In, in my house, Jenny calls it full face attention, She'll say, A, I want full-face attention. You know what that means? Stop all the other things I think I can do at the same time. All right? Now, watch this. You also can only be one place at one time. Nobody has figured out how I can be both here and in my easy chair at home at the same time. Doesn't work, right? We can only be one place at one time. God, however, because of who he is and because of all he is, he can be everywhere all the time simultaneously. So there is no place you can go where he is not already and there is no place you will go that he is not with you. This is one of the most beautiful teachings of God that we understand is that God is omnipresent. Now the second word is omniscience, all right? Omniscience means that God is all knowing, that his knowledge is not limited. Now let's face it, all known knowledge is doubling for us now almost every 60 days that all the world's knowledge, all of the world's knowledge is almost doubling every 60 days as just the human brain evolution continues to grow. The problem is our ability for wisdom to use that knowledge is lessening every day. And you see, the challenge here is to recognize if God can be everywhere all the time and God knows all things, then an all-knowing God creates gratitude and praise for who he is and for what he does. You see, David's trek with God through the good, the bad, the challenging, the unbelievable remains alive and relatable throughout this psalm. Knowing who God is allows us to understand who we are and whose we are. It's so good to know that no matter what you're dealing with, God is always there and has already been there. There is not a place that he is not, and there's not a place that he will not be with you. And no matter what you may know or not know, God already knows. Now, you could say, well, wait a minute, though, Chuck, that doesn't make any sense. What are we to learn in the middle of the pandemic in 2020 and the stressors that are in our life? Well, I'm glad you asked because I've got a handful of things I want you to grasp. I hope you'll take some notes and jot these down. Number one, God knows you deeply and intimately. This is the good news, like God knows you to every nook and cranny of your soul, down to the molecular atomic level, like God doesn't know you at a surface level like like many of many of us have a lot of acquaintances, we might have a handful of friends, or we might have one or two people that are just they 're rock solid right and then then if if we 're blessed enough, then we have a marriage where our spouse we are like one, okay now that's beautiful. Now watch this. But God knows me better than Jenny knows me and Jenny knows me better than any human on the planet knows me. But God knows me a thousand times more, a billion times more than Jenny could ever know me because he knows me at a molecular level because he created me. My creator, my sustainer said in verse 13, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Now watch this, you hear that word delicate and you think to yourself, Chuck, there's nothing delicate about you. Nobody has ever used the term delicate in a sentence describing me, right? I mean, I've been a bull in a china shop from the day I was born. But the delicacy that comes with this word is that delicate means the infinite parts, the parts that even scientists can't understand about us, God knows, because he's the one that built the supercomputer between our ears. He's the one that understands the need that we have for us to function in his way. Psalm 139 helps us see ourselves and others through God's perspective. And God's perspective is that I know every inner part of you. I knit you together before you were even conceived. Now think about that. God knew you had already wired the world for you, had already prepared everything for you before you were even conceived. So when people ask me, Chuck, why do you get so fired up about having unborn babies protected? Because God had already had a plan for them before they were even conceived. And God made no mistake in any of them. You see, here's the beautiful thing. We are crafted personally, but we are also crafted purposefully. When God made you, he literally made the perfect image of himself. Now you say, well, Chuck, when I looked in the mirror this morning, I didn't feel a whole lot like God. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you know that you know whose you are and who you are in Christ? because that would make all the difference in the world. If I could look in the mirror and know, wait a minute, my father, God created me in his image. Then every little flaw that I see, I can recognize God made that on purpose for a reason. And that reason is for his will, for my good and for his glory. And he's done that for you as well. God has perfect knowledge of us and all of our thoughts, all of our actions, and they're all open before him, everything. When the heart is mentioned in scripture, When David speaks of our heart, he's not talking about the organ that pumps our blood. He's speaking of the very seat of our soul. He's speaking of everything we are, mind, body, spirit. He's talking about the whole load. So when David's talking about our heart, In a minute, he's going to say, God, I want you to search my heart. He's saying, look in every nook and cranny, know everything about me. And wherever that is, God is there, and he is not surprised. Listen to this, folks. He's not surprised by our physical or our mental struggles. You say, well, Chuck, i got some struggles. You know, one of the beautiful things about 139 in the book of Psalms is that it it speaks to our emotional health. If there's anything that I think we've learned in 2020 is the need for us to be mentally, emotionally, and spiritually fit. Because this, this, this life has been brutal this year. We need to prepare ourselves for the holidays so that we can head into a new year with, with a strong sense of our emotional and mental and spiritual health. You see, to do that, though, we've got to get the first thing right in God's plan for our life. And God's, God's plan for our life would that you and I would be able to walk with him and trust in him so that we might receive the best from him so that we would always know when we're with him. Now, when we do that, we have done that because we have come into relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Now, I know that doesn't make any sense, but it will in a minute because you have been created on purpose. Psalm 139.14 says, I praise you because I am, and here's two more words, ready? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, you could say, well, Chuck, I I got the fearful part. I'm pretty darn darn fearful right now, right? Well, listen, we were made with purpose to bring glory to God. Every talent, every gift, every occupation has a place in the workforce for the kingdom of God. And I think that you're to wonder, I'm talking about a power-packed powerhouse of God's hand that built you with amazement. And listen, Not a fear to be afraid of. Fearfully made is not that you are living in fear. It is that you are living in awe in reverence of the fact that God loved you so much that he made no mistake when he made the wonderful you. I mean, do this for me real good. I want you you to take one hand and put it right here on your face. Just go ahead, put it right here. Take the other one and go right here. Now watch this. I want you just real real softly because I don't want to hurt yourself. I want you to pat yourself on the cheek. Then take the left hand and pinch your cheek and wiggle it. You know what that's a reminder of? That's what my grandma would do when I would see her and I haven't seen her in a while. And she would lean down and she'd say, Chucky, I love you. I could just eat you up. I love you. Listen to me. God wants to pat you on the cheek and pinch your face and say, I love you. I am not mad at you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you believe today, I love you. I love you so much I sent my son for you. I sent him that he would die on a cross for you and he would shed his blood for you and he would raise from the dead three days later for you and he would go to heaven to create a home for you because I love you so much I made a home that you could live forever. And you know what? We're saying, well, I'm not fearful of that, man. I'm just in awe of that. I, I can't believe God would do all that for me. When people look at the lives of those who follow Jesus, they ought to witness the blood he shed dripping from our daily lives. Wonderfully. Now that's a whole nother word. Wonderfully is to be distinct, to be marked out, to be separated, to be distinguished. You know, I don't know anybody. Now there are people who don't want to get on stage. Like Jenny would rather die than me call her up here to do something. And then there's some of you you're dying for me to call you up here to do something, right? And, and there are folks like me that I'll talk to a fence post, you know, and I'll have a conversation with them. And then there are others that just, no, I, I just kind of keep it all inside me. But you were wonderfully made that way. There's no mistake in you. And, and by the way, God's not looking to change you from what he created you to be. He just wants you to be all he created you to be. We are made in the wonderful eyes and image of God himself the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, what? Want. I don't have to want for anything. Why? Because creator God not only created me, but he's made me on purpose and he knows everything about me and he knows everywhere I'm at, everywhere I'm going and everywhere I've been. So the third point would be then stop worrying because God is in control. Now listen, maybe you're like me and you can just create stuff to worry about. I mean, I'm one of those people that honestly, I can just get freaked out about anything. I mean, is, is everybody going to come back to church someday? Or are we going to pay for these kids in each mule, Mexico? How are we, we going to do all this? What are we going I mean, how's this thing going to work? What's going to happen? Are we going to get through COVID this year? Is the vaccine going to work? I mean, what do we do? And you know what? I think the Lord is saying over and over again, you know, Chuck, if you'll just hush and listen to me, I've already been there. I'm already here and I'm already where you're going. So if I've already gone there and I can straighten the path and I can make your crooked path straight, when are you going to learn to trust me because I'm the one that made that way? Then you could say, well, it seems unfathomable that if God is in control, why would he let all this junk happen? I have no idea. But I do know this, that in the middle of all of it, one thing is happening worldwide and it is happening in a massive fashion around the world that people like me and you are realizing that Dr. Fauci is not in control of the pandemic. Dr. Birx is not in control of the pandemic. The Trump administration, nor the incoming Biden administration, there are control of the pandemic. There are no senatorial races that are in charge of the pandemic. There is no company out there that's in charge of the pandemic. You know what? God's in control and he's going to use his will in his way and we'll get there in his timing because he's made it abundantly clear to us in these days, we are in desperate need of him. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, how else, do you, how else would you explain all this? I mean, it makes no sense at all. Stop worrying, God's in control. Verse 16 says this, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be there is infinitely more happening in the world in our lives than we can see or understand but god's view is limitless transcending time and transcending space this is good news for us this is great news for us he has numbered our days and nothing can change or alter his good plan for our lives and you say well wait a minute chuck then why do I feel the way I feel? Why am I so bottled up with this anxiety? Why am I struggling with the future? Because we have not learned to trust our lives into his hands. So we hold on to it thinking, well, I can worry enough about it because God's got other people to worry about. Friend, that's not what we know. Psalm 139 says, whatever the most anxious thing you are about right now, God says, will you bring it to me? Because whatever it is that's bothering you is the number one thing to me. How does he do that? Omnipresence and omniscience. You say, well, Chuck, but how do I tangibly bring stuff to God? I mean, that sounds like one of those questions where you'd say, well, I want to do this, Chuck, but that sounds really ethereal and ooh. And can I just tell you something? There's something that's powerful about tangibly bringing something before God. So whatever it is that's on your heart, matter of fact, let's just do it right now, right? Just, just put your hands in your lap, close your eyes, and just take a deep breath. I didn't do this at nine, you get the bonus section. I want you to think about just one thing, just don't, don't take the list, just one thing that's just, man, it, you're, you're dealing with something, what it, whatever that one thing is, just take it right now. Take another deep breath. Take that one thing and say, God, I wanna hand this to you right now. Then I literally want you to take one of your hands like you were balling it up in a fist and drop it in front of you. Just take your fist and just open it up and drop it in front of you. Just take your fist, open it, and drop it right in front of you. And God, I wanna learn to trust you with this. I wanna take it off of my plate and I wanna put it squarely on yours. And God, would you show me this week how you will walk me through this and you will carry me when necessary. But God, would you show me that I can trust you with all that I have, because all that I have came from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, listen to these words. God's sovereign control is complete not partial did you hear that God's sovereign control is complete not partial direct or indirect more or less by intrusion or tactical permission however it is God controls it and the control is complete nothing in the universe is random without design and purpose so that leads me to my fourth issue which is drop your fear you're never alone In the seventh verse, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? One of Satan's biggest tricks that he's pulling on us in 2020 is he's screaming up into your ear and saying, you're all alone. You can't handle this. You don't have what it takes. You're never going to get out of this mess. We're going to be in a pandemic forever. You're going to be without a job forever. There's going to be uncertainty forever. Your politician isn't going to win forever. Your teams are never going to win. And all the while, God's saying, just listen. Don't listen to that joker. He's a liar. He's been a liar from day one. And every day you can make a choice knowing that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are forever with us. This is the beauty God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's like an apple. You got three parts, right? You got the skin, you got the meat, you got the core. But it's one apple, but you got three parts. It's complete when you got all of them, right? Well, watch this. God is in the same vein. God the Father, creator and sustainer. God the Son, savior and redeemer. God the Holy Spirit, keeper and healer. So what God did was he said, I've created you and know you. I've sent my son to give you saving redemption, and he's leaving you the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you can trust and walk with me every day this is the most beautiful part, and you're never by yourself. How good is this? You are never by yourself. Bo. But wait a minute, this last point is where we step on toes. I mean, I just couldn't do it, right? And that's where you got to leave the judging to God. Leave the judging to God. Now watch this. Listen to verse 15. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. Judgment belongs to God alone. Then why is it we love to try to take it in our hands? Now, all you have to do is make one trip on a Monday morning on 285, and you know what that looks like. All you have to do is have to travel up peach or south Peachtree Industrial on your way into like Peachtree Corners to work, and you know what I'm talking about. If you get to McGinnis Ferry and Peachtree Industrial, and it's 545 on a Friday, you know what I'm talking about. Because you know what happened? Some dude hit the the horn while you really weren't even looking at your phone. You were just stargazing for a minute and he slammed the horn down and you you thought, I'll kill you! (laughs) Bless the Lord. Based on that, I needed a drink. Much of the Psalms teach us that we're to love our enemies and pray to God on their behalf. So what does David mean when he writes verses 15 to 22? David's pen being divinely inspired by the spirit of God to write these words. He follows what he wrote in verses 15 to 22, where he talks about, I want to hate those people that hate you. But then he finishes it and he says, but search me, God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Leave it up for a minute, guys. I want you to see there's three words that I don't want you to miss in this, okay? The first one is heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. What did we say about the heart? It is the seat of the soul. And the soul then would be encompassing body, mind, and soul. Everything about you at a molecular level. Search me, God, and know everything about me. Test me then. And know how anxious I am. Isn't it good that God already knows this? I mean, God's not freaked out that you're freaked out. Point out anything that offends you, God, and lead me along the path. And here's the last two words everlasting life. We think everlasting life means lead me to heaven. So between now and heaven, I'm just in a mess. But that's not what David's saying. David is saying, lead me in the path of everlasting life, which means let me live the path of heaven starting now. You see, Christians. Deal right because that's forever, but Christianity day. That's why Christianly living and going deeper to the degree that it changes the way we make decisions on behalf of Christ at work in our life. Now that is what we're talking about: everlasting life that happens now, right here. And by the way, no politician can dictate that, demand that, or deliver that when we pray this verse, God answers. We're to pray for our enemies and the enemies of God and ask him to search our souls. But listen, this is a personal prayer and a song of praise as the author and creator of the entire universe. But now watch this. This passage is most prominently a picture of God's greatness and God's goodness. God's greatness for the universe, God's goodness for you. Do you see that? This is how God works. If God loves you so deeply that he would in artisan fashion create you uniquely, so purposefully, then why do we spend so much energy fretting and worrying and so anxiously? The key, drop your fears and anxieties. Every day, grab that whatever it is and drop it. Just grab hold of it and drop it. Grab hold of it and drop it. It is a moment where you stop and pause in your day and trust God. I need you to take this from me. Some of you have got to do it every 40 seconds. Just take this and let it go. And however long you have to do it, do that. Drop your fears, drop your anxieties, leave your insecurities with Jesus. Watch this. He actually wants them. I mean, I I don't care how good your counselor is. At the end of the day, your counselor's tired of hearing everybody's problems. I don't care how good they are. But Jesus, because he is, watch this, omnipresent and omniscient. Jesus, because he has all greatness and all goodness, never gets tired of hearing you bring him your junk. So why not do that? He wants them. But friend, listen, the natural human tendency is to not deal with our junk. It's to blame somebody else and their junk. And God says, he's gonna handle that far better if you'll just let him. So stop looking for something else. You've got all you'll ever need in Jesus the Christ. Let's pray. (coughs) There are people in this room and there are people watching online that right now are trying to figure out... then. How do I do this? If God, you've really made me in this fearful and wonderful way, and you've made me purposefully, and you've made me wonderfully, why do I fear so much? Why why do I have so much anxiety? Why am I not satisfied? And the answer is that maybe we just don't believe God for who he is so we've just kind of gone out on our own deal so God first would you forgive us for just going out and doing our own thing maybe we need to go all the way back to one of the purposes God has for us is to recognize that we want to be in friendship with you God and what separates us from that friendship is our sin and we're sorry for that God, we want to thank you that you sent Jesus for us, that shed his blood and died on an old wooden cross and was buried and three days later rose from the grave so that that would be the final sacrifice for every sin that we have ever committed or ever will commit. And all we have to do is ask you and tell you we're sorry and call on your name. So God, if there's people in this room and people online right now that would say, that's me, Chuck. i got to get back to the basics. Then Man, just settle it right now. Just say, God, I'm calling on your name. Jesus, step into my life. I want I want to live for you. And friend, if that's the desire of your heart, listen, God's not playing hard to find. He, he wants to take every, all, all that mess, and he just, you'll say, let me have it. I'll take it from you. Just trust me with it. So today, Lord, for the folks who have said in their homes or folks who have said in this room, yeah, it's me, count on me. Bless them richly. Give them the courage to walk with you this week. God, I pray they have the courage to, to let me know, email or text or at church or something, so that I could help them in their new walk. And Lord, we want to trust you with all we have because you have fearfully and wonderfully created each of us. Let us bring you honor as we prepare our soul to celebrate your birth in a way where we trust you with all we have in the name of jesus we pray and everybody said amen hey i missed y'all last week i uh thought i had covid i had been tested a couple times i'm all negative no covid but uh i hadn't been able to breathe all week i got some weird thing where i'm like I'm, my oxygen's is like 88 89 you know and you, the doctors say that when you get like that it's not good well uh, that's why I was hacking and coughing at but nine. I didn't do all that, so I did good. But I just want to tell you I love y'all. Man, one of the things that when you, when you just feel like crud, one of the things you realize is, man, how good God is and how much he, he continues to do such cool work around here. Bobby told you about all that food? Man, listen, that, that relationship where we got that food came from me working on the border two summers ago. Isn't it crazy? I mean, just people that you find or just all of a sudden, if people know you're going to do something that matters, they want to help you. I just think that's awesome. But then I got to thinking it all that we're doing, and I, man, this, this is the greatest church on the planet. I love this place. I mean, I, I just love this place. So I hope you'll go by the store afterwards, and we got these super cool new beanies. They, they got this little leather tag. You'd pay 50 bucks for Amazon on one of these things. It's a bad boy right there. I really like these. But I'm going to give three of these things away. All right? Lisa, it's, it's not been the best of months for you. Here, Have a beanie. All righty. All right. See, so I know somebody else probably wants one of these things. I bet you want one, don't you? Yeah, you right there in the yellow shirt. Come here. Don't you want one of these? What's your name? Say it loud. Renai. Renai? All right, then I still can't hear you, but I'm—I heard the last part, nice. So there you go, enjoy. All right, very good, yeah. All right, I'll go to the other side. I'll go to the other side over here. Let's see. I know you want a beanie. You look, yeah, you look like you need a beanie. Come get a beanie. That's a man. That's a man on a beanie mission right there. Yeah. Now the rest of you got to go buy one. And if you're wondering why, the money from that is going to help us provide. Christmas for 320 children in each mule, Mexico. Now, if you're wondering where each mule, Mexico is, you go to Cancun, turn left for four hours, and when you are at the point where you think you're in the middle of the jungle and there's no other place to go, you've arrived. And there's 300 plus there's about 300 families there, and there's about 320 kids there. Zach, we are gonna provide a Christmas for every kid the second week of December. And then we're gonna have a big old bag of rice and corn and beans for every family. Now that's the good news. The bad news is I have no idea how we're gonna pay for it, all right? But I promised them and we're showing up. So at the end of nine o'clock, I said, we need some help. So if you'll pull your phone out and you just open up the app to give, give to Spanish Missions, if you're watching online or you don't have the app, go to sugarhill.church give and give. Five bucks, ten bucks, a hundred bucks, ten thousand bucks, whatever. We need about $12,000 to make it happen. All right? Now watch this. We are within $3,000 of hitting that number. All right? Would y'all go ahead and fix that for me right now so we could be done? That would be awesome. And if you don't do stuff on the phone, you want to write a check, that's cool. Then right after the service, I'm going to be right outside that door, all right? I'll be masked up, and I'm happy to take your check, all right? Now, if you can say, hey, Chuck, I don't have anything with me, but I'll get it to you this week. That's cool, too. But whatever you do, help us make this thing happen. Yeah, those kids have literally never had a Christmas. Man, Sugar Hill Church, we're just not going to let that happen again. Let's, let's make sure that happens. Can I just tell you, church, I love you? Let me pray for you. God, thank you for a church that the Lord loves you. And God, would you go before these sweet people and the folks watching online and make their way clear. You go within them and bring them peace and joy fulfillment and contentment because God we recognize that you are always good and we are always loved and Lord when the days are difficult would you come behind and pick them up and carry them only to set them down victoriously on their two feet and wipe away their tears and kiss them on the forehead and wrap your loving arms around them so they can hear your voice say my child I love you my friends the Lord Jesus loves you amen amen and amen if you've got a kid downstairs one of you needs to go and one of you with i know what i'm supposed to tell you i'm supposed to say you go out those doors but i'd rather you go to the store and buy something because i got to pay for some corn somehow all right hey uh i do i love y'all and i am so grateful for this church i can't tell you one more thing i know we got to go i gotta tell you one more thing i got a call last night and uh you know, it's with the politics in Georgia has just gone back crazy, hasn't it? I mean, seriously, it is upside down and in and out and here and there. I don't even care what side you're on, it's crazy. And uh, they wanted our platform to do something to bring a big dog in and talk about politics. And, and I'm, I'm a political junkie. I mean, Jim can tell you, I love politics. And you know what I thought to myself? We ain't got time for that foolishness. We got Jesus talk. We got Jesus talk. We got to talk about Jesus talk. You know what I'm saying? So uh, know this. We talked about the most important thing in the world today. And uh, while the senatorial race and all that stuff's important, there ain't nothing more important than Jesus talk, right? So when you leave, know this. Man, he's with you. God bless you all. Go in peace.